Thanks for choosing Boomers with Beverages. In this episode, our continuing conversation with Dave Wilson, well, it continues. We pick up with the time Dave appeared with Jay Leno at Lucifer's Disco at Keystone at the Crossing. So the, the show's over, and uh, Leno goes, come on, Dave, let's, let's go get some dinner. So, all right, so we're starting to leave, and this drunk girl comes up, and she's, oh, you guys are so funny, and she could barely stand up. <laughs> Leno goes, how are you getting home? She goes, I'm going to drive. No, you're not. Come on, Wilson. We're driving this girl home. So we go out in the parking lot in my mom's Buick. That's the car I'm driving. And, uh, and so it's me sitting in the front seat and the girl, the drunk girl in between it and Leno in the front seat. And where do you live? And so Leno goes through her purse, finds her wallet. Oh, my goodness. Looks, sees her address. So it's a little apartment complex in Broadway. Sweet down college and pull in. Find her apartment. Go walking up to her front door. I'm standing behind her, holding her up by the elbow. <laughs> Leno's going through her keys, trying to find her apartment key. <laughs> so he finds a key, opens the door, and it's a studio <laughs> apartment. And right across from the door is her bed. So the door opens. Leno steps back. She goes flying out of my arms, past Leno, into her apartment, throws, jumps on the bed, and says... You both can have me. <laughs> really? And, and Leno looks at me and goes, Wilson, I'm glad you're here because this is the kind of shit that gets in the paper. <laughs> so, oh, so we scary. leave her a note. Hey, your car is up at Lucifer's, you know, blah, wow. blah, blah. Wow. So a couple months go by, and I'm working, I'm working with Jay at Louisville, at Shirley's. You remember Shirley's oh, in, yeah. Louisville, in sure. the mall, in the mall, St. Matthew's Mall. So anyway, Wednesday night, first night of the week, I get there and walk in the green room, and it's packed with people meeting Leno. So I barely get in the room, and I'm kind of walking over into a corner, and he looks up, he sees me, he goes, Wilson, Wilson, did you go back and get that girl that night? <laughs> no, I didn't. That's but, uh, classic. He was, uh, oh, yeah, right. always... Such a gentleman and a great guy. He was always that kind of comic. Because you hear you hear a lot about the comedy store guys and how they were just good guys and good people to know. Right. You know, not a lot of egos. Maybe there were some, but I mean, truthfully, when we were on the road together, he every night we'd get back to the condo or hotel or whatever, and mostly we're staying in condos then. And he had a book with all these people's names in it, and he would call five or six comics every night. Just to wow. see how they were doing. How you doing? You still cool. working on that bit? Who are you working with? Oh, yeah? Tell them I said hi. What's that? You know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Well, then he would call my mom. I was living in my mom's and dad's basement, unfinished mm. basement, because I'm just starting out. And I would always, whenever I'd get wherever I was at, I would always call mom and say, okay, here's the number I'm at. And uh, so she would tell, oh, Jay, he's in Pittsburgh. He's in Tennessee. He's, you know, and Jay would call the condo and say, what, you know, who are you working with? And I remember one time I was working with a guy, Carl Wolfson. And he uh, yeah, and he, had, Carl Wolf, he had the the the, the, the slides the slideshow yeah 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 and I mean, so yeah. yeah he 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 would tell he put up a slideshow and then he would either as the punchline or the setup he would put up this slide you know and click through it and uh, Wilson <laughs> I told Jay I go yeah I'm working with Carl Wilson oh yeah I, I had the airline lost his act and he couldn't go on. <laughs> <laughs> <That's too good. laughs> That is so funny. He lost his act. This is Boomers with Beverages. Appreciate you uh, being along for this podcast. We welcome back our guest, uh, Dave Wilson. He was on with us a few weeks back talking Indy 500 today. Uh, Talking shop, because we all go back to uh, the comedy days. Well, Dave, a lot earlier than uh, some of us Mm -hmm. because of when you started in the business. So that's kind of when we all met. And I had mentioned when we were in a little bit of a break. 
Uh, very first time I ever met you was getting the opportunity to do the open mic at Timothy's mm-hmm. for Mary Lou Sullivan in Comedy Corner, which was probably one of the, one of her more heyday locations for Comedy right. Corner. I think Certainly. she was at Timothy's for yeah. a while. Pretty cool venue to do stand-up, right. but I'd That's never great. never done it before. But one of the afternoon jocks on the radio station, Eagle 93, kept prompting me to go because he was hosting the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Tuesday night at Cracker. He says, oh, you got to go you know, do Mary Lou. You, know, you do some time there. I had no idea what to do. So I, wrote, I bought a truly tasteless joke book <laughs> and wrote about eight, nine jokes. So I get up on the stage at Timothy's, and it was kind of in the round, if I remember correctly, and you were right almost in the very front. Every stinking joke. Yeah, I heard that one before. Okay, what do y'all? <laughs> oh my! I'm oh, sorry. Oh my God! It was yeah, the best. I'm so it sorry. It was the best. But then it wasn't too long. Maybe three, four, five months later, after open mic and at Crackers, got to meet you, got to talk to you, and before long, you know, we're doing the road together. So mm. it's interesting, you know, how the business works out when it yeah. when it comes to doing this yeah. the comedy. But it was good stuff. So, uh, Dave, I, I think a lot of comics and maybe all of us have gone through different iterations of our stage presence and you know what works best for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at what you know, so part of your act was you know the king, mm-hmm. yeah, the Elvis impression. How did that evolve? Because that doesn't sound like that was your go-to from the beginning. Well, and it started pretty early because you know, I had been doing stand-up three months. I started. I actually went on stage, like I said, in February of '83. And I had been doing stand-up three months, really seriously, and I had eight minutes worth of jokes. Mm. And uh, Tom saw me at Timothy, or at an open Tom stage. Griswold. Tom, Tom Griswold, Bob, yes, from the Bob and Tom show. And he goes, hey, you're funny. Why don't you come on the show? And Bob and Tom mm. had just come to Indianapolis in the, the spring of yeah. 1983. And so that first morning, I went on the Bob and Tom show, and I did all eight minutes of my joke. <laughs> And when the show was over, Tom said, man, that was funny. Come back next week. And I went, (laughs) (laughs) With what? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, it had taken me three months to write that eight minutes. So I invented a character, the king, uh, because it's easier to write jokes for a character. The example I use, if somebody you didn't know said, I was 20 years old until I found out gravy wasn't a soft drink. You're thinking, really? What? You know, but if the king says, oh, man, I cannot believe it. I was 20 years old until I found out gravy wasn't a soft drink. (gasps) Thank you very much. And that was the hook of the character and so so that just just happened there wasn't any kind of impetus for it it just we were I'll tell you all the comics at that time uh, Amos Chang and uh, gosh another guy I can't remember his name anyway Mark Klein Mark Klein Bob Batchelor Bob Batch and then there was a, a guy who ended up writing on the Larry Sanders show Oh, oh, oh. He was uh, from Cincinnati. Really? No, not Val. He had a, oh, he had I, I, I know, a great yeah. joke. I remember the joke he had. He goes, you know, you always see those lobsters in grocery stores, and they got that rubber band. John mm-hmm. uh, Regis. John Regis. John, John, John Regis. Regis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. got the rubber band around their really? thing. You know, you know, they, you know, the, the, the lobster's probably thinking, you know, was I supposed to remember to do something? <laughs> you know, it, it's not hard to pull a crustacean. But anyway, getting off again, they, uh, everybody was doing Elvis off stage. Sure. Oh, man, I cannot believe you're here. You know, mm-hmm. huh. yeah. so that's where I thought, okay, I'll to start writing jokes so I started reading about Elvis and writing jokes mm-hmm. and that was that thing uh, Tom actually told my dad one time Tom invited me and my dad to a Colts game to use two of his seats mm-hmm. and I remember sitting next to my dad and my dad was sitting right next to Tom and Tom I over hear him telling my dad things he never said to me he goes your son was the first thing that hit for us that got the phones ringing oh, wow. the king That's cool. and that show was so powerful back then I mean they were a a 26 share, 12 plus. Yeah. And in radio, I mean, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I sold tickets when nobody else 
it was we would I mean Sunshine Promotions which built Deer Creek did the, the yeah. Stones and Mellencamp and Springsteen at the RC Dome they were big concert from they promoted two years 80, 89 and 90 King Tours where we would go to Kokomo Anderson Lafayette mm-hmm. Columbus Indiana and it always wound up at the Indiana Roof Ballroom downtown and I remember one Thursday night, I sold 864 tickets. Is because of wow. that show. Mm-hmm. In in December of '89, I did the 20th, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of Jan of December, right before Christmas. And there was a cold snap came through. I remember Wednesday night it was 11 below. Oh my goodness! And by Saturday night it was 23 below zero. Wow! Saturday night 23 below zero. We were 75 tickets the first show, 100 at the second, and 75 at the third. Yeah. And that's because of that. The Bob and Tom Show, the popularity wow. of that show, mm-hmm. yeah, and, it was huge. It was uh, so huge. I was blessed to be to have that. But yeah. that character only worked if you'd heard it on the radio. And at that point, yeah, they were not syndicated. So when I would yeah. go to Louisville or somewhere else, I I just had my regular act that I would do. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I ended up I ended up doing the King in Milwaukee because there was a radio show up there, a morning show. They knew of the Bob and Tom Show and they bought the album, so they had heard of me. So when I came to town, they were fired up. And I came in two mornings in a row and did the King two mornings in a row, and then they just ran the hell out of it. And I ended up selling a bunch of tickets, and the guy was all excited. So he has me back three three months later, and we sold the place out. Mm. And it really caught on. But that was just that situation in Milwaukee. Did any yeah. of the Memphis Mafia ever see the King? Well, never the King. But I will okay. I will tell you this joke, okay, and, and, or this story. And before I do, i got to remind you of a Bob Batch joke. This mm-hmm. is back when ashtrays, glass ashtrays oh, yeah. were on every table. Mm-hmm. Best joke and, yet. Yeah, yeah, and, and Batch joke. would go, he would pick up an ashtray, and he'd go, quick impression of anybody from Memphis, Tennessee. And he would put the ashtray on the top of his hand, <laughs> yep. and he would go, Elvis, give me this ring. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is a classic. We're yeah. down at yeah. the, the, the that club. Sir laughs a lot. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. In uh, the big old in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. You go. Well, the club owner knew that um, that I did the Elvis thing because I had had uh, I had come through there one time. Bob and Tom had a win a trip to Graceland with the King contest, yeah. and a, a busload of people all left Indianapolis and went down there. Now there were four people. That won tickets. All they were all Q95 listeners, except four people who had won tickets off WNDE, the AM oldie yeah, station, right. who were real Elvis fans. I, yeah. So on the trip down Actually, there, I was on that trip. Were you on that I trip? I was on that. Yeah, I they showed that. a video, I guess, of, mm-hmm. of me doing the King. Well, these people, these four oh, yeah. WNDE, they saw me, and I was like the Antichrist. I mean, oh, they yeah, hated. Was, yeah. me. they hated. <laughs> well, but she, I, like she had Elvis's. Driver's license, oh. or that she was like a total. She was Ada. Friend, she know? was Ada. So it, this, awesome. this club owner, we had gone down there, and I did a set as the king yeah. on the stage down there for these yeah. Bob and Tom listeners. So then the next time I come back, he invites George Klein to come to the show. George Klein went to high school with Elvis. Mm. He was the first DJ to play an Elvis record on the radio. Oh wow! He was a member of the Memphis Mafia. He was a pallbearer at Elvis's funeral. Oh my. We're standing in the lobby after the show, and I didn't didn't do any of the king. And uh, after, but I'm you know really excited about meeting him because I was a fan and again had learned all this stuff. And we're standing there, and a couple minutes, and finally one of the guys standing there looked at George Klein and goes, "Where where'd you get that ring?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and George Klein holds out the Elvis give me this ring. It was everything I could muster. Not to laugh so hard. Oh, it was unbelievable. Funny. Oh, no. But uh, 
Man, that was uh, yeah. That that time we went down there with Bob and Tom, and we did cool. the show. I'll never forget. Christy Lee was talking about these horrible souvenirs they had, mm-hmm. and because Leno and I, when we would do Nashville, uh, we would always hit up the horrible Elvis. You know, different deals. I never forget. We I bought a bunch of keychains one time. I bought the last five keychains I had. It was a keychain, and, and on the outside of it, it said "The King and I." And you slid it open, and on one side was a picture of Elvis, and on the other side was a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and I bought okay. the last five they have. Gave wow. gave Leno one. We will always have yeah, fun with that. That's funny. Oh my! But uh, no, everywhere we anyway. So Christy Lee's talking about these horrible. Uh, deals because you guys were talking about that Elvis movie mm-hmm. and, and Colonel Parker. Towards the end of Elvis's life, he had a deal called uh, Boxcar Productions, which whose job was to market and 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 determine all Elvis souvenirs. Elvis mm-hmm. only owned fifteen percent of that company. Wow! And uh, some of the horrible crap they had Elvis slippers with a head of Elvis on each toe of the slippers <laughs> and all that. Well, they had an Elvis <laughs> toilet. Ashtray. Oh, hell yeah. And so oh Christy Lee said they got an old Elvis toilet ashtray. And I said, oh man, so you can stick your butt in the last place the king had his. <laughs> but, That's funny. That's good so stuff. The, the king was, I mean, that character. Uh, and, the, and the thing that bothered me, quite honestly, about that whole thing, and uh, I still, I mean, that was, I mean, I, I quit really doing it full uh, a lot in the early 90s on Bob and Tom. And then I left the show and went to WIBC in, in August of 95. So it's been years. but I And I still get people, the king and mm-hmm. that and that. And they quote me, especially at the Speedway. Oh, my gosh, I get people yeah. all the time. But the only thing that really worked on stage when I was doing those shows live were old jokes that I told as the king. Yeah. The material that I wrote for... Uh, the radio that would kill on the radio was lukewarm reception in live. Hmm. Whether it was because they'd heard it before, I don't think that was it. I just don't think it, it just didn't. Even with people that, you know, maybe they had heard it and it was like, you know how it is with jokes. Everybody yeah. wants to hear, you know, Elvis sing Suspicious Minds, but they don't want to hear me, you know, tell the same joke again. So, but that always bothered me that that's all. That it, it that it that really worked on stage. So kind of a mm. double-edged sword because you know I worked with you plenty of times where you were just Dave Wilson mm-hmm. and people loved you. Yeah, I loved the the humor you did because it's the humor I wanted to do. Right. But mm. in a way, kind of cool to have that, right? Right. As a you know you yeah. can go into this, especially as the Elvis character got known, and you get people that just I, I can mm-hmm. I'm guessing probably lit up. As soon as you started going into the Elvis game. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, when I did the King Tours, uh, the first year I did it, the Love Brothers were my middle act. Because <laughs> yes. I would go up and do 35 or 40 minutes of me. And then the the Love Brothers the first year, and then Karen Carlson the second year was the middle act. And uh, then I would go on and do 30. After they were, got done doing 20, I would go back up and do 30 or so as the King. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, here in Indianapolis, those two personas... Uh, married together quite well. So you yeah. made uh, you made a transition that uh, yeah, I would say a good handful of comics did eventually as as being a club owner. You know, you obviously had taken a lot of lo- notes, learned a lot from clubs mm-hmm. across the country, and then you you start one liners, which I know Artie that was probably one of your favorite. It was rooms one of my favorite rooms absolutely. of all time, well, and, uh, and you, you abs- performed yeah. everywhere. Well, abs- a- after uh, you know. Keystone at the Crossing, oh, Crackers yeah. was—I mean, that was a great yeah. room. But mm-hmm. Crackers there was, nothing, there was nothing like going 
to one-liners yeah. and headlining and not worrying about, you know, what your material is, yeah. what you're going to do. Everybody was, it was just a great audience was every great single yeah. time. Did you get to play it, Pete? Did you no, get to do one-liners? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't. I went to a couple of shows. I think, yeah. I think by the, when did you, uh, when did you first start that? The first show was uh, December 31st, 1992. Okay, I yeah. think by that point I had exited from comedy yeah, i was right. down mm-hmm. in florida and you know it just wasn't part of my right. lifestyle but i went to a couple of shows there so uh, a question for you so you you're a very successful stand-up comic how is it on the other side when you have to run a club deal with the egos the right. pay the booking yeah. the act, and and w- what goes into booking a good comedy show right there's, there's got a there, there's a formula there you right. probably try to keep in mind well, uh, I'm glad I I did one-liners, but mm-hmm. I would never do it again, and I would never advise anybody to do it again. It, you don't want to sell alcohol to people. <laughs> so true. Good, yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, nothing does, good does happens. It clouds your mind. Yeah. You know what I thought? Here's what I thought. I had been living in Los Angeles. I'd been doing stand-up for a living for 11 years. I'd been living in L.A., and this nothing happened for me in L.A. because one, probably wasn't meant to happen, but B, I was always gone. Because yeah. I always I had too high I, I I did it all wrong I had too high a cost of living, so mm-hmm. I had to be on the road at least two, favorably three weeks a month just to pay the damn bills to live out there. Yeah. So you would make headway like I got on at Igby's and oh, oh you're funny you know and so for a week I'm there a lot and they're giving me better and better spots and then I'm gone three weeks I come back and I go who. Yeah. Oh, wow. So now I got to start all over. Yeah. And and so and, and and so I just I got tired of it and I thought, well, I'm going to go home and I'm still well known in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to start a club so I can work all the dang gone time and not have to travel. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's why we did that and opened one liners and we tried to use um, as all the little things that I had learned. We had 17 tons of sand in the stage. Huh. To deaden the sound. That's uh, great. The the wood, uh, you know, the acoustic wise, I thought I think the room mm-hmm. was was very good room. It was good. Yeah. And uh, but I would never dealing with drunk, stupid people, almost mm-hmm. ruined it. The most uh, satisfying part of owning that club was especially on Saturday night, standing in the back of the room, watching. 275, that was the fire code, so that's all we had uh, in there. Yeah. <laughs> never more. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, never any more than that. But uh, people just laughing and eating, yeah. and, that, and that was the most satisfying time, was, mm-hmm. was seeing that whole thing. And, and, and I'll tell you what we did, too, is we had a, uh, my wife at the time, Peggy, we, we would hire, we had a lot of single moms that worked for us as a service, and we saved and helped a lot of single moms. No. And I and I, we had a gal walk in one time. She said, "I just had my second child two weeks ago with my two daddies. Two da- I I got to have a job. Well, do you know how to bartender? No, I don't know. Do you know how to wait tables? No. Well, Peggy said, "Well, come on." And we ended mm. up with Amanda, and we ended up, you know, teaching her to bartend mm-hmm. and serve, and and no. basically took her from not having anything to awesome. paying able to pay her bills and, yeah. and raise her children. So that. That was very satisfying. But dealing the drunk people's stories, anybody who owns a bar will tell tell stories about theft mm-hmm. and drunk, stupid people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, but I was blessed, to be honest with you. I tried, we had, we were open 15 and a half years. Mm. And I was trying, probably for the last three years, trying to sell it. Because at that point, I had three jobs. I was doing afternoon drive on WIBC. 
I was running one-liners and Wilson's, which is a full, that's a 60-hour-a-week yeah. job. Doing afternoon drive on WIBC is a, a big, I mean, that's an unbelievable deal. Then I was traveling with the IndyCar Network doing uh, mm. races, so I'm out of town 16 weekends a year. Wow. And then Indy, you're there every weekend. And then once the racing season ended, pretty soon then the Colts season started, so I'm doing pre- and post-game shows on WIBC. So I'm working seven days a week, yeah. and I'm just burnt. I'm done. Yeah. I, I am... I'm, I'm just tired of it. And, and and towards the end there, I wasn't even going on stage. I, I had two guys, Jay Penn and Rob Larkin, Rob Busboon, mm-hmm. and I and they were there all the time, and they wanted to be comics. And I go, boys, you've seen my act a thousand times. You get on stage and host the shows, do my act until you yeah. write your own stage. So they were just up there okay. doing, you know. I love it. Doing, uh, the price we pay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just doing whatever. But And it just, so I'm trying to sell the place. And I was trying to sell the place for $200,000. And that I didn't own the building. I was leasing the building, but that was the business up and going. We were making, mm. we were doing 1.1 to 1.2 million dollars a year. We were profitable, wow. uh, but I was trying to. And, but the thing was, anybody that knew about comedy wanted nothing to do with food. No. People that yeah. knew about food wanted nothing to do with comedy. Yep. So I'm just sitting there, nothing, 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 mm. and I'm just about wrung out. And finally, I get a call from this company, and they say, "We see you've been trying to sell your business." You got a 210 liquor license, right? And I go, yes, I do. And she goes, well, uh, Bravo, the Italian restaurant needs to open in, they're opening in the Greenwood Park Mall and they need a liquor license now. Uh, Will you take a quarter of a million dollars for it? Uh, let me think about it. Yeah, but yeah. How, was that? Oh, did it wow. t- take you two or three seconds to answer? Yeah, I think about two. Well, did, yeah, about did, two seconds. Did, did you do the? <laughs> you know what? I, I got to tell you a story about that. I'm shifting the gears again. I had a gal come up to me not that long ago. And she goes, oh, the king, you know, my husband, my ex-husband loved the king and was always imitating you. And so as our marriage was falling apart, (laughs) as our marriage was falling apart, I'll never forget he came home drunk again for the 50th time. And we really have it all. We really have it out. That's it. You get out. I want a divorce. I want a divorce. You get the hell out of here. And she said, he looked at me and went, and walked out the door. That's classic. That's a legacy. That's I have. Fun. I remember one of my favorite moments at One Liners. I was working with Charlie Weiner yeah. from Cleveland. Was sure. the headliner, and local rock and roll legend Jimmy Reiser was right. going to come in. That who? So I remember standing with Dave before the show, and Dave is telling Charlie Weiner, "Jimmy Reiser is going to be here, and, and he's he's probably going to do a set." So you know, it's you know, we're all so lucky, which is true, that Jimmy right. Reiser is going to come in. Well, Jimmy Reiser walks in, and he's like, Charlie Weiner! Oh, my God, I can't believe it's Charlie Weiner! Because Charlie Weiner was something of a rock and roll legend in Cleveland, in Jimmy Reiser's youth. And he had, yeah, he had gone, you know, it's like as a kid, he would go to Charlie Weiner shows and just thought Charlie Weiner was the greatest thing ever. And it just was so, and Charlie was... I mean, he's wow. a hilarious oh. guy. One of the nicest guys. I, right. worked, I worked with him several times on the road. But it just was oh. so funny. He's like, okay, yeah, well, yeah, sure. <laughs> One-liners was a masterpiece. It oh, was yeah. A, it was a great, a great venue. Place. You, you did, it was a labor of love. Because right. I, I know you put everything you could into it to make it work. Right. But I have to tell you, a legacy of One-liners is the pizza. 
Well, the, yeah, it was the a good pizza. Yes. Was just Wilson's as well pizza. known as any pizza in Indiana. Yeah, we were very proud of the pizza. If you could have kept that, yeah, when you got rid of the license, you know, I was just happy to be done with it. I know, I know. I, yeah. I wish I'd have. You kept probably the watched the 800 pound gorilla leave the room yeah. that the day that happened because well, yeah, that was a busy, the busy time. Not, the problem I had with it, and 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 this is nothing personal. Remember that when okay. I tell this story, All it's right. not personal. All right, you closed the club. The week that I was supposed to be there. Oh, <laughs> I got the call. Back to Artie and Dan, not, we it? don't have a show this week. Sorry. Why? Because <laughs> Dave sold the club. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, Artie. You missed the opportunity to close yeah. another club. Right? Yeah. Right. Close another you club. Well, you you <laughs> should have checked into Bravo yeah. and see if yeah. they could Can be I tell the same. Uh, we have time for me to tell another oh, story. Oh, yeah. We do. Okay. We do. A lot of you will remember Ted Norkey. Ted Norkey, God rest his soul. Hilarious. One of those oh, comics yeah. that made comics laugh, and a lot of times he was a 50 50 shot in front yeah. of the audience. The last time I worked there, I, he was my you, middle yeah, act. Yeah. He uh, killed me. He made me laugh so, so hard so many times. So he gets cancer, throat cancer, and he can't go on stage. He can't work anymore. So uh, every Christmas, I would mail him $500 oh. as a feature. Like I would pay him for like a feature week. And I'd put some, you know, abusive note in there. <laughs> How about it? how my audiences are really appreciating you not being here? <laughs> it's, it's working out great, you know, paying you, but not actually having you here to torment my audience. So I do that for two or three years, and then finally one year, I give them a $25 raise, <laughs> five and a quarter. And I said, This is working so good, you not being here, that I gave you a raise. And, and he sends a note back. He's very ap appreciative, but he sends a note. He goes, well, if it's working out so great, you cheap bastard, why don't you not hire me two weeks a year? <laughs> <laughs> That's a Ted Norky. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Man, he was him. Oh, you know funny. what was great about Ted was having lunch or dinner with him. Oh, that was that was a, that was a yeah. piece he, of work. One yeah. time he was working with Charlie Weiner, and they're doing my mm. show on WIBC. And all of a sudden, he just starts riffing, <laughs> and he's talking about his wife. You know, his 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 wife uh, was pregnant, and she had twins. She was having twins, and he was talking about going to the doctor. And uh, they're looking in there, and the and the nurse goes, "Oh, I see two heads." And Ted goes, "I'm going nuts." We're gonna yeah. have a, we're gonna have a two-headed baby. <laughs> we're leaving the hospital. We're driving straight to the circus. We're leaving the hospital. We're driving straight to the circus. Please show some respect to the two-headed baby while you're feeding it a peanut. Please. Going straight to the circus. We're going leaving the hospital. Going straight to the circus. Please wow. show some respect when you're feeding him a peanut. Oh lord. You know another one of my favorites was Ed Fiala. Yep. From Chicago. Uh, he was awesome. I've still, Ed, got one of his, I've still got one of his pins. I've he was Ed, Ed was like that Peanuts character had the cloud floating him all mm. the time. One time we're at, at, I'm on, it's when we still had our offices upstairs at One Liner. So I'm hosting the show and I go, hey, here's Ed Fiala. And he goes on stage. I go run up in the office where I got a TV so I can monitor things. And I'm doing paperwork. And all of a sudden I hear Ted go, is Dave Wilson in the room? Yeah. Somebody go get Dave. Okay, so I go running downstairs, and I get off to the side of the stage. He sees me. He goes, come here. So I go on stage, and he's on stage about 15 minutes. And I get up there, and he pulls the mic down, and he goes, I got diarrhea. Here, you take really over. Bad. And he hands me the mic, <laughs> and he goes flying. 
Oh my god. So I look at the crowd. Okay, Ted will be right back. I just start telling jokes. Yeah. And 15 minutes later, you know, or so he came back and, and did the show. But every time, every week, it was a crap game <laughs> on Ed getting mm. here from Chicago. Yeah. Now, how hard is it to get from Chicago, Illinois to Greenwood, Indiana? One road. You get on 65, you stay on 65 yeah. until you hit exit 99. Boom, you're there. Yeah. One time he calls me quarter after eight, Wednesday. Wednesday was always the gut check time. <laughs> Show starts at 8. Ed's not there. Quarter after he calls on the phone, hey, Dave, are you, I can't remember now. Again, he had been there like five or six times already. Are you in Greenfield or Greenwood? <laughs> I go, Ed, I'm in Greenwood. He, oh, I'm in Greenfield. Another <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. time, it's about 20 minutes after the show starts, and a state police car pulls up in the parking lot. What's going on? Ed gets out, comes in. <laughs> he was driving down from Chicago, got to Lebanon, had a flat tire, of course, did not have a spare. Hmm. So he is leaves his car in the middle of the interstate. He's walking down the interstate. It's October. He doesn't bring a jacket, obviously. Right. Hmm. And a state trooper sees him and pulls over. And what's going on? Oh, I had a flat tire, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to get to Greenwood, to the Dave Wilson's comedy. The cop knew who I was. He goes, come on, I'll take you. So the police <laughs> wow. officer, wow. the trooper, drives him from Lebanon wow. to Greenwood and drops him off. That's about an hour, maybe an oh, hour and 15 yeah. minutes. Easily, drive. easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Another time, I get a call about three weeks before Ed's supposed to be there. And um, it's the IRS. And they go, do you have an Ed Fiala working for you? And I go, well, as a matter of fact, he's supposed to be here in three weeks. And they go, well, we've been trying to get him to pay a back bill. He owes us, us $132,000. Oh, boy. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. And I, and which, I go, which is well, what you were paying him the week, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I will tell you what I was paying him. I was paying him $1,500 yeah. for the week. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I said, I didn't tell him how much, but I said, yeah, it'll be here in three weeks. And uh, the gal goes, okay, well, how, well, I guess I did tell him $1,500. I go, how much of that do you want me to give him and how much do you want me to send you? And she goes, send all $1,500 to us. Oh, my. We've been calling him. He's ignoring us. We're leaving money. We're leaving, we're leaving uh, notes on his door of his house. Yeah. He's ignoring us. You need to send every penny $1,500 to us. So I call Ed. I go, Ed, son, I understand if you don't want to come down here and work for free, but I got to send all your money to the IRS. Yeah. He goes, oh, no, I'll be there. I'll be there. So Ed drives down, does a whole week's full of shows. I sent $1,500 to the IRS. Right. And then, of course, I, I won't. I gave him some money, too, yeah, on, the, on the down low. Yeah. But every time, he was so talented. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he had a deal one time. He, was, he had a Corvette, which was his favorite thing in the world. Because he was a part of a comedy team in the late 70s. Uh, that actually got on the Tonight Show, hmm. and usually in the '70s, man, if you got on the Tonight Show, I was the springboard. Well, yeah. that, something happened, but they got some work in Vegas and stuff, and he made it some money, and he bought a, a Corvette. Well, he comes home early from the road one time, and he catches his wife in bed with the kid cutting the grass. Oh man, divorce city. So, as part of the settlement, he had to sell his Corvette, and so the. The Corvette was the guy was coming to buy it Monday morning. Well, the insurance ran out Saturday at midnight, and he's like, "Well, I'm selling it Monday. It's on my carport." Well, Sunday, somebody stole the cor stole the Corvette oh, oh off of his that, carport. Well, that doesn't sound uh, real coincidental. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be. Yeah, but you're wow. right about the cloud following the guy. Yes, yes. Yeah. See, that's the thing about. I've always been grateful for, and, and I'm sure you guys have too. That we 
cut our teeth in the Midwest because right. I, mm. I don't care what you say. I, I know the whole idea is you go to the West Coast, you go to the East Coast, mm-hmm. you, you become big. But I'm telling you, there are so many funny people. Oh boy, that oh, you yeah. probably have never heard of. Ed Fiala is one of them. Right. Yeah. You know, and then unfortunately, you know, so many of them aren't with us anymore. But Ted right. Murky was a genius. Oh yeah. Mm. You know, you had Steve Baird here in our hometown. Yeah. You had Bill, Bill Sacra right. in Louisville. <laughs> just, 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 you know, it, it just. I want Mark to tear Klein. up sometimes because man, right. these guys were so. Funny. I got to tell a sacred you know? story. Well, Mark, All right, Bill Sacra. Mark is still with us though. Mark, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. All right, Bill Sacra. So I'm doing the Sobel <laughs> one nighter in Lexington. And it yeah, was uh, the Keys Tavern. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So two keys. Two keys. It's uh, Jeff Allen, mm-hmm. Bill Sacra, and me. I'm oh. the opening act. Wow. So I get there and uh, I go walking in the office, and I'm going to be. I don't know how to do this. Hmm. Walk in the office and sitting in the office is Sacra with as little person. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he says, "Now look." <laughs> he goes, Wilson. When you're on stage, don't talk to the midget. I go, what? He goes, don't talk to the midget. I got the same. I got the same. Yeah. I got the same lecture. Okay. So I go on stage sitting. Now, this is in January in this college one-nighter. The place is packed. It is elbow to elbow, except this stage, this this table sitting at the center stage. It's a four seater. There's only one. Three seats are empty. There's just one small person dressed in a Hawaiian shirt, yellow shorts, huge sunglasses, just sitting there staring at me. <laughs> plant, plant. Who's to say? Okay. So I ignore him. So Saker goes up. And he says, and, and, and Bill Sacra was a very, very talented impressionist. Yes. Mm-hmm. But as one time we were at, I was in Louisville again with Leno, and Sacra came in, and he had met Leno back in the 70s when Leno was starting in New York. And Leno kept saying, well, Bill, why don't you try this in? And, and they say, oh, Jay, I've tried that. Well, Bill, why don't you do it? No, hell, I've tried that too. <laughs> and literally, and finally, Leno snapped. He goes, the problem is you don't have any jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he told us, so sacred. Now, he, okay, so he's got this little guy in the audience heckling him. He starts heckling him. And instead of coming up with some, you know, you've written this, okay, it's a, it's standard heckle retorts. It's, well, I come to McDonald's and bother you and uh, you're working, blah, blah, blah. You know, just the same, just hack thing after hack thing. And finally, the little guy reaches in this bag and takes out a plastic fish and he throws it at Sacra on stage. And Sacra fakes, and it's so obvious he's faking this indignation. That's it. I've had enough. Out of here. Out of here. And uh, so these four great big college bar bouncers come walking up, and they grab this little guy by all four corners. He's parallel to the ground. His arms and legs are flapping in the air, and they haul his butt out of the bar. And the audience is just slack jaw. They're just staring. It's dead silence. It is dead silence. So anyway, thankfully, uh, Jeff Allen's able to follow that. I don't know how he did it, but he did. That was so when, the bit. Yeah, yeah. So when I show up, I go into the office to get paid afterwards. And the little guy's sitting on a trunk with all the props and everything. <laughs> and he's sacred in an argument. And he's smoking a cigar. And he goes, Bill, I'm going to have to have more money to do this. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know what the little wow. guy did? I, I was working with him in Snickers up in Fort Wayne. And he was with him. And I said, now, you're you're driving, Bill. You're going to drive us to the, all to the club? He goes, no, we can't take my car. We can't take my car. Come on, man. I am really tired. I really don't want to drive over the club. No, we can't take we can't, we, we can't take my car. Finally, 
the little guy goes down to the car, and I go, why can't we take your car? And he goes, because the midget shit in it. <laughs> wow. And he's down nice. there cleaning it up right now. Nice. Oh, okay. Dave Wilson, uh, this, you know, again, we could just keep going, going, and going. Yes, but we could. I, I, I want to leave with some information for some folks and a quick update, because I know in the last podcast, you were talking about raising money for the new American yes. Legion right. and Speedway. Right. So will there be some details or some information that we can put on our website? Yeah. Is there some way we can help? We, we are actually going to start a uh, brick sale uh, fundraiser. We're going to have the half-mile walk, of a memorial walk around our four-acre property there. And so we will start selling bricks probably the – I think we're going to announce that and probably have things in a row by Carb Day because Bob and Tom are doing their show from our Legion okay. on So by the Friday. time this podcast airs, we'll be able to yeah. get that info. And I'll have get I'll get there. you guys all the info. But we've got fundraising in place. Okay. I, the, the need to help veterans is – see I, that, oh, that, absolutely. That, yeah. I mean, that, that is right on Georgetown Road. My Perfect. dad came home from Korea and joined that in 1950. Yeah. 53. Mm. And uh, I remember going there as a little boy for Christmas parties and Easter egg hunts. And sure. when I was 19, I totaled the family car. And I and Dad was a volunteer bartender there. And I knew he was there that night. So I had the record driver just drop me off at the Legion. I went in. <laughs> so there's good and bad memories. But yeah. we have been able to help a lot of veterans who need it. And the things we ask of these men and women to go over and do what they do. And they come home sometimes and they're just not prepared to no. to yeah. uh, to enter normal life again. So no. we need to do everything we can to help these men and women. Well, whatever yeah. we can do, we will, because uh, I'll get sappy here for a second, but you know, it's a privilege to have you on the podcast, yeah. but yeah. it's more been a privilege to be a friend of yours for well, 35, yeah. 40 years. I mean, absolutely. Thank you're you. a good, One of the great. All of you. you're, yeah. a good, you're a good man, Dave Wilson. You're legit. Well, yeah. Thank you. You're a real well, deal, and that's a, that's a good thing to say in this day and age. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. All the best to you and Becky. Thank yep. you very much. And next time you have an auction of some stuff, you got to give me a heads up. I, I did look at the stuff. I didn't see anything I really wanted. Right. And then I kind of felt guilty. I go, I'm bidding on some of Dave's crap. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was all stuff I just couldn't get in the new house. Yeah. No, yeah. I, know. Yeah. I know. Well, I yeah. kind of like the way you hinted that Becky kind of said, uh, yeah, I don't think you need all of this right. stuff. Yeah. You know? Right. I think uh, some of this might be, uh, yeah. But, And I had been downsizing for years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I probably have less than 25% of what I used to have. Wow. Well, maybe at the new Legion, you can get a showcase or two. Put some of that. <laughs> yeah, there you I go. I guarantee you, you've got some stuff people oh, love yeah. to see. So yeah. that's really awesome. Yeah. All the best. Thank you. And we'll definitely be having you back. And we're going to yep. do what we can to promote and get that money for Indeed. the Legion. And Dan Davis, thank you. Absolutely. Always. Pete Molina. Absolutely. Already with you. Not quite sure. Uh, not quite sure what you did, but thank you. Oh, I did nothing doing what today. You did. Oh, you're a good man. Too. Oh, thank you. you. You're I good. love you. Yep. Now, hey, trust me. Any Dan and I both owe you guys debts of gratitude because you helped us get. Oh yeah. Early on in our careers, and that's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, Tom Sobel wouldn't book Dan, but he would book no, me. That's right. <laughs> so. But Dave, Dave Wilson did book me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm forever and, grateful. And thanks to Dave, we got to know John Yoder gigs. Yeah. <laughs> True that. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, so I, maybe I take it back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that's another show. That's, oh. a, that's a whole other show. Thanks a lot, guys. Boomerswithbeverages.com is the website. Dan Davis, once again, YouTube channel is? At BWBTV645. A big thanks to AJ's Bar and Grill for hosting us here. And uh, I had no idea that after 4 o'clock it's a daycare, but it's still fun nonetheless. <laughs> yes, it is. So we appreciate uh, all the good folks at AJ's. <laughs> happy and, hour. It's called and, Happy uh, Hour. We'll leave you with a quote to go. This one from the legendary George Carlin who said, Don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. Yeah. Good <laughs> advice. Until next time, we are Boomers with Beverages. Thanks for listening to Boomers with Beverages. Audio engineer, editor, yours truly, Dan Davis. 
showrunner, and distributor Taylor Scott of iPodcastPro.com.